relational rhythms. And so tonight I get to talk to you about uh, Bible meditation. And as I do when I um, you know, come with sermons and I, I think through what people are thinking about what I'm going to say, and, um, and I thought, boy, I wonder what people are thinking about Bible meditation, because I, you know, I know some people um, who might be thinking, yes, Tim, we all know that we're supposed to be reading our Bibles already, so um, we'll try better tomorrow. Please, you know, just go sit back down and bring, you know, John, Jonathan Hers and the team back up, and we'll just sing some more songs. Um, and that's, 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 that's great. It's good that you want to try harder tomorrow. That's good. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I understand, you know, also that maybe that, that cynicism, because there have been times in my life where I've been, uh, maybe a bit more more cynical about about Bible reading and where it's been uh, hard hard for me to do and so I so I understand um, you know that the challenge of that um, and so if, if that's if that's where you're at today you know I just I just you know encourage you um, to together with us um, that, that we could have faith that God has something uh, here for us tonight and and this is it's a it's an it's an old topic but to, to come at it afresh and new and believing that God has something uh, new for us tonight. So, uh, so let's dive in. So um, our passage tonight is from the book of Joshua, um, chapter 1, verse 8, which says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So again, um, that's great. Super practical, right? Not, uh, not a lot that needs to be explained there, right? Um, you know, but as, as I've meditated on this verse over the past couple of weeks, see what I did there? Um, I, <laughs> I was reminded um, of what was going on uh, in Joshua's life when God spoke these words uh, to him. Uh, Because at the beginning of the book of Joshua, um, this is right after Moses has died. Uh, And Joshua has, he's inherited the leadership of the the people of of Israel. And and, um, and so so for Joshua's, uh, like he's, so so now Joshua, he's now the, the leader of the people and he's got to lead them into this promised land and, and fulfill these, like, these incredible promises that, that God has, has promised them and that Moses has been leading them on. And so his whole life, he's been led by Moses, and he's been mentored by Moses, the prophet, incredible prophet and leader of God's, of God's people. Moses had performed powerful miracles, like powerful miracles. Moses had confronted the powerful Pharaoh of Egypt, and, and, had, and had led God's people out of Egypt, out of the hands of this powerful nation. Uh, Moses had spoken with God and had, had, had written down what, what God had given to him um, in, in these, these, these books, the first five books of the Bible. And, uh, and, and he'd written these down as he met with God to give to the people uh, to, to carry on. And, and Exodus uh, 33.11 uh, says this way, that, that Moses spoke face-to-face with God as one speaks with a friend. Like think, of that, think about that. He, he spoke with God face-to-face 
as one speaks with a friend. And so then here's Joshua, who had done none of these things, uh, who is now placed with having to lead God's people into the promised land, facing multiple obstacles and physical armies that were, that were in his way. Uh, he would have this immense challenge of having to, to lead this nation, this nation that didn't even have a place to live yet. Like they didn't even, they weren't even a nation that had their own land. They were just like this group of people. And, um, and, and so like, he's got to like, hey, we're going to be a nation now. And we got to like figure this out. And uh, so he's got this immense challenge as well as facing the spiritual obstacles and battles that, that they would face going into the land of, of all kinds of different faiths that they were, that they were entering into. And so the task of leadership that stood before Joshua is just, like, it's just immense. Like, it's super overwhelming. Um, and and the, the shoes that he had to fill in terms of, like, with Moses gone, like, just what incredible shoes that he, that he had to fill. Like, I don't know, like, how you could do that. Um, and so how could, how could Joshua possibly live up to such a massive order to, to such a, a massive challenge that was in front of him. And so, well, thankfully, Moses had left Joshua a self-help book as his inheritance called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. <laughs> Thanks for laughing, because <laughs> it's just a joke. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not what happened. Um, Joshua didn't have a leadership self-help book, um, and he wasn't given a to-do list uh, for how to lead people. Uh, he wasn't given a recipe. He, he did have the first five books of the Bible that Moses uh, had written down from God and given to him. Um, and in the face of all these challenges and all these obstacles and all these stressors, uh, God says to Joshua, spend your time with me in my word. Come close to me, live it out, and you will prosper. And it's like, what? Like, just think of how unproductive that sounds. That, that you're about to embark on a massive military campaign. You're, you're leading and building a nation. And what God invites you to do is to immerse yourself with him in his word, and then you'll succeed. Just, just, God says, just be close to me. Be close to me through my word. I don't think that this is a normal response to such a, to such a task. I, I think that reasonable people like you and me um, would tend towards a different approach. Um, we tend to, I think, adopt a fight or flight um, response when we face these types of big challenges. And so, so, so for flight, uh, we do. Uh, Pastor Greg talked about this uh, last week, where we where we try to uh, we, we try to like run away from the stress or run away from from the obstacle, um, and and we try to like reduce our lives to a manageable level. Um, so that we can so that we can manage and and be be comfortable in uh, in what we're doing and, and and just to feel comfortable again. And so if, so if Joshua would have done this, um, he he would have maybe like 
run back to the wilderness, or, or maybe he would have said to, to the people of Israel, like, hey guys, you know, actually this side of the Jordan is clear. So why don't we just save the hassle and we'll just stay here and not, and not go over there, right? Like that would have been, that would have been a flight response. Uh, or fight, uh, we work as hard as we can and do whatever is necessary to achieve success. And so, so for Joshua, this might have looked like assembling all of his, his military commanders and his political advisors, and maybe he would have you know, gathered the best inventors of the people to come up with some really cool military apparatuses to be able to conquer the people that they were going to go into, right? Like he would have just like over-functioned and done, done as much as he could, putting in as much effort as, as he possibly could to try to succeed in this situation. Um, and if Joshua was trying to succeed, like this would be, I think, the more likely approach that he would have taken. Because isn't this how we often think and, and behave um, when we face the challenges and obstacles and stressors in our lives. That we, we put our heads down to, to power through a situation. We, we seek out um, self-help or technical solutions that are, that are going to guide us through our stressful, our stressful situation. We try to figure out what all the steps are, what everything is that I need to do to be able to achieve success. So a friend of mine, uh, he's an associate pastor right now, and he's, he's about to um, move to a different church and start as a senior pastor. And it's the first time he'll have been a, a lead pastor in a church. And, um, and so during, he's, he's got two weeks off in between his associate pastor role and this new lead pastor role. And uh, so like the good friend I am, I, I teased him and, and asked um, are, are you going to do anything fun during that two weeks, or are you just going to panic and read as many leadership books as you can? And because we know each other well, he told me he's going to panic and read leadership books and he asked for some recommendations. Um, I think he was joking too. But, um, but as I was, like I was, I was teasing him, but there's, but there's truth in there. Um, like, I, like I thought of that um, because, you know, when we face challenges and stressors, the temptation is to frantically do uh, everything we can to try to control and manage the situation, to, to develop a plan for success. And, and right now, I think with, with COVID um, and coming out of COVID, I think that there's a lot of stressful and challenging things for us right now. Um, that, that things that were normal for us in February 2020, uh, some of those things feel really hard for us now. Or at least I, I know they do for me. So, so for example, um, our first uh, in-person service, uh, in, in service the other week was crazy for me and my production team. Like, it was, like I came away from that night just super exhausted and thinking to myself, like, like, like I used to do this? Every week, <laughs> how is that possible? And or or things like like we have we have uh, where's the 
Fraser Valley from here. Uh, the Fraser Valley. Um, we have a bunch of friends, so a bunch of family out in the Fraser Valley. And we used to, before COVID, drive out there regularly, you know, at least one, in, one or two times a month to, to go see family. But then, of course, during COVID, you know, we really couldn't see each other. And so we got out of the habit of going. And so now it's like, drive to the valley. It's so far. It takes so much time. If <laughs> you've done that drive, it takes forever. Why would I do that? Um, and so with one of these, right, with one of these things, I'm tempted for by flight uh, to just run away um, and, and not worry about it. And, and then with the other, I'm tempted to spend as much time and just to invest all my energy to try to, to, try to figure it out uh, and, and just make it happen no matter what. Um, and, but God's word to Joshua, as he's facing down his challenges, immense challenges, is to say, stay close with me daily in my word. Reflect on it day and night. Live it out, and you will prosper. So I'm stressed and overwhelmed by my life. And God's solution is, come meet with me daily in my word. Reflect on it. Meditate on it day and night. Live it out, and you will prosper. And I think, well, but, but isn't that counterproductive? Because I have this, like, I have a project deadline. And so this just adds one more thing to my day. Or, you know, I have, I have so many things on my to-do list already. How can, I, how can I fit this in? I just don't have enough time. It's, I don't have time to, to add this to my day. And yet God says to Joshua and to us, meditate on my word day and night, live it, and you will prosper. I think that we, we, that we don't have time because we think that our success depends on us. That we think that our success depends on our efforts, that, that we believe that we are in control. But really, our success depends on the one who is really in control, our Father in heaven. So we can't afford to miss time spent with him. We think our success comes from our efficiency and from our effectiveness and our ability to function well. And instead, we flourish when we spend time with our Father in heaven. And so God invites us to meet with him in the Bible, to know him, to encounter his presence through his word. So that as we meet with God in the Bible, we will come to know who he is. And in, then in light of him, who we are and whose we are. So we discover and learn who he is. Um, when, we, uh, when you read through the Bible, um, there are actually a lot of times that the Bible uh, speaks about the importance of a life lived close to God uh, through God's word. And so uh, um, one, of, one of the places that talks about this is Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 6 to 9, and where Moses, Moses is impressing 
upon the people of God the importance of having a life that is just um, that just ref- like reflects uh, the life of God and the Word of God just in all aspects of life. So he writes this. He says, "These commands that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children." Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He just gives this, this picture of, uh, of like God's word, God's presence, just uh, in, like people's lives immersed in God, immersed in God's word, and just and just God reflected in all areas of their lives. In uh, in Second Timothy three uh, sixteen, uh, it says, "All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness." And again, this this picture of the the significance and the importance of God's word in our lives. For all of life, uh, Psalm one uh, talks about the the person who meditates on God's word daily as being like a healthy stream, uh, by, sorry, a healthy tree planted by a stream. And it's this this analogy or this this picture um, of because the tree it's next to the source of life, and and so that the so the one who is rooted in God's word is connected to the source of life. Um, and is able to thrive because of it. Um, and then Psalm 119, it's, it's the longest psalm in the Bible. Um, and the entire thing is basically a love letter to the word of God. Think about that. Like, like it's, it's super long, and it's all just a love letter to the, to the word of God, like which, which seems maybe like we think a little bit strange, because we're like, would I write a love letter to the Silmarillion? I don't know if I would, um, but but it's because there's more there's more going on to the Bible. It's not just a regular book. That the Bible uh, testifies about the the critical importance of human lives immersed in God's word. But why? It's not because the Bible is full of wisdom, which it is. It's not because. The Bible has practical teachings for life, which it does. Um, It's not because it is a helpful record of human history, which it has that too. But it's because the Bible is an encounter with the living God who is sharing his heart with us. It's not human ideas about who God is. It is God meeting with us, sharing with us, uh, saying to the people that he loves, this is who I am. I love you. I want to be close to you. And so we don't, we don't read the Bible so that we can know about God. We read the Bible so that we can know God, that, that we are encountering him in his word. And this, this difference between knowing about and knowing are, is, is super important. Um, as you may know, um, I am married to Charlotte. Um, and so could you imagine if I had gotten uh, to know Charlotte 
because I had read her biography that was written about her by her sister. Um, and, and like her sister, her name's Rosanna, she knows Charlotte like really well. So I'm sure that I would have learned a lot of really good things about her. Um, but, but I could hardly say that because I'd read her biography that I was, that I was close to her. Um, and, and, and so like, could you imagine that was my relationship with Charlotte? And so then I was like, I don't know, I'm going to like send her a letter and ask her to marry me because I've read her biography. Like that would be strange. Or, or if I had like, oh, I'm going to get to know Charlotte. And so I'm going to hire a private investigator and he's going to, he's going to go around and, uh, and follow her. And he's going to like write a report, um, like details about her day. Like these are all the things. And yeah, and I would get the report and I'd be like, okay, like this is great. Like now, now I know Charlotte because I've read like all these things about her. But instead, I would like I would know a lot about her, but I wouldn't really know her. And so instead, I've spent hours and hours and weeks and months and years with her. And yes, I've learned the details of her life, and I know the the details of her day and what she goes through. And I, and I know her history and I know her family history. But more than that, I know her. I'm close to her. She has shared herself with me and me with her. And so we have grown close. And so when God invites us to be reading and meditating on the Bible, we're being invited into this kind of closeness with him. That we're, that we're meeting uh, with him, not just about him. It's this, it's this same, uh, that the same meeting God face to face as one meets with a friend that Moses had with God. <clears throat> and how, and, and how is that true, right? Like we ask, well, how is that possible? Cause it, cause it is a, it is a book. Um, so in, in 2 Timothy uh, 3.16, um, starts starts with this, this, these few words, all scripture is God-breathed. And so then we can ask the question, well, what, is, like, what does that mean? What does it mean that scripture is God-breathed? Well, what else is God-breathed? Well, you are God-breathed. In Genesis 2, God breathed life into the first man. In Ezekiel 37, God breathed life into dry bones. In John 20, Jesus breathed the spirit onto the disciples. God has breathed life and his very spirit, his very self into the Bible so that we can know him. When we, when we encounter God in his word, like we, we really are encountering him. We're not just reading about him. We are encountering him. We are meeting with God when we read and meditate on God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says it like this, for the word of God is alive and active. It's alive. The, the Bible is, is alive. When we read and meditate on the Bible, we're not engaging with a science textbook or a history textbook or a self-help book or a book of rules. When we read and meditate on the Bible, we are entering a conversation 
with our Father in heaven and intimacy with him where he is sharing his heart with us. Not to merely know about him, but to know him. So when I, uh, when I finished seminary, um, I got very busy in a new associate pastor position that I had. Um, and when I finished seminary, I, I, I knew a lot about God. Um, because after all, I had just finished a theology degree, right? Um, I, had, I had done the research. I, I knew the lists. I knew the details. I knew the implications. I had a master's of divinity, right? The word divinity is in there, right? Like, like boy, like, I must know a lot about God with a degree like that, right? Um, but as I got, like, I got busy and, and full of knowledge, I felt prideful or, or arrogant um, that I didn't need to do something as simplistic as spend regular time with God in his word. That, um, that I knew it all already. I, I had studied it. That was enough. And so, so after a few years, yes, years, I started reading again. And, and not so much because I was convicted to do so, but because a friend of mine had challenged me to. And I'm like, okay, I'm up for a challenge. Um, and because and my heart was still kind of hard. Um, and as I did, I began to realize that I had been resting on knowing about God rather than knowing God. And I realized that, that I had been running around trying to do life on my own, thinking, thinking that it was enough to know a lot about him, rather than living life close to my Father in heaven and doing life with him. I thought that it was about knowledge, that I just needed to know about the Bible. But it's about God's presence. It's about being close with him. And this is what God is calling Joshua into. This is what he's inviting us into when we read and meditate on the Bible. He's inviting us to be close, to know him, and, and to be known. And so in reading and, and meditating uh, in closeness with God and his word, we, we, we come to know him, not just about him, and we also come to realize who we are and whose we are in light of him. And so uh, in, in being called to meditate on the book of the law, uh, Joshua is called to be close to God and also to hear and remember the stories of God with his people to, and, and to know his place among God's people. See, Joshua has come uh, from a nation, Egypt, with its own values and priorities and stories and spiritualities and ideas of what is important in life. And he's about to lead the people of God into a region where they would be surrounded by, uh, by values and stories and priorities and spiritualities and ideas of what was most important in life. And so if Joshua 
wouldn't stay close to God, he would risk forgetting the source of truth. He would, he would risk forgetting the stories of who he really was and the truth of whose he really was. And that he would risk being led astray by the competing senses of, belong, of belonging that were in the peoples around him. And this, I don't think this is so unfamiliar to us because we live in a city and a world that is surrounded by competing values and stories and spiritualities and ideas of what is most important in life. And we are being uh, influenced by, uh, by Netflix and by Disney, by CTV News and CBC, by Twitter and Instagram, by coworkers and classmates, by teachers and politicians, by YouTubers and podcasters, each of them projecting their own vision of the good life. And so we are being discipled by every personal and media encounter and being invited to be a part of that way of life in that people. We are being invited and shaped to belong to them. And it's so easy to forget who we are and whose we are unless we remain close to the source of truth, unless we stay close to our Father in heaven, knowing him through his word. We risk getting caught up in a false story of who we are and whose we are. And so uh, maybe, maybe you've heard this, the story about uh, the eagle who thought he was a chicken. Um, apparently there's a few stories, so I'm going to tell you the one that I know. Um, so once there was an eagle, <laughs> and he was, uh, from a very young age, he was put in a chicken coop with the chickens. And so he grew up, uh, you know, pecking around on the ground and walking around like a chicken um, on the ground um, and never learning to fly because he lived with the chickens. And, and, and he thought he was a chicken. And so one day he, he looks up and there's, a, there's this majestic bird flying up overhead. And, uh, and so he's like, wow, that's amazing. And, and so he asks one of the nearby chickens, he's like, hey, what's that bird that's up there? And, and the chicken's like, oh, well, that's, a, that's, an, that's an eagle. Yeah, they're, they're pretty cool. But that, that's, that's not for us, though, because like we're chickens. So our place is here on the ground and in the chicken coop. And so this eagle who was made to, to soar and fly um, and be free, lived his whole life on the ground in this chicken coop among the chickens because he was convinced that he was one of them. And, and we, get at a, we get at a twist to that story and say that all the chickens in the coop were actually eagles who thought they were chickens because that's what they'd been surrounded with and taught their whole life. That's the story they were told from a young age. And so they just adopted the story thinking that they were chickens. And we are all people made in the image of God, made for intimate relationship with God. But if we don't remain close to him, we forget who we are and we believe the stories of the chickens around us and we get lost among them. 
when we don't know the truth of whose we of, of whose we are, we forget who we are. When we don't know the truth of whose we are, that we are sons and daughters of our Father in heaven, we forget that we are part of the family of God and that we belong to him. And if we don't stay close to our Father in heaven through reading his word, then we will forget and we will miss out on the intimacy and the closeness and the wholeness that he has for us. So Pastor Greg, he mentioned, uh, well, earlier today even, in the past sermons in this series, that we've called this relational rhythms rather than spiritual disciplines. And it's, it's not because spiritual disciplines are bad or that disciplines are bad. People have disciplines for eating healthy and exercising, and that has good health benefits. And people have disciplines for budgeting and with their finances, and that can be good, right? There's lots of wisdom uh, in disciplines. Um, but I hope that you've heard that, that, we're, that we're, we're called to immerse ourselves in reading and meditating on the Bible, um, not simply so that we can be better people in some way, um, not, not so that we can um, you know, say that, oh, good, I've, I've, I've got this godly habit down and, I, and check off you know, this, this religious box that we have. It's that it, that it's not so that we can know a lot about God, but that we're invited into this intimate relationship with our Father in heaven, to, to know him, to know the, the, the spiritual family that, that we're a part of throughout time, to know God's presence, to know, uh, to know that we are his, and to live out a life of closeness to him. So I don't know what your Bible meditation practices are, but the invitation to Joshua is the same invitation to us today to meet with your Father in heaven daily through the Bible, to live close to him, and that you will be blessed. So will you accept this invitation from our Father? Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you that you loved us so much that you have done just everything to be close with us. That you have, that you have sent your son to reveal yourself to us, that you have given us the word uh, in your word in the Bible so that we could know you, so that we could be close to you because being close to you is the best place for us. You're the only one who offers us wholeness, God. And would you help us to, to know this truth and to, um, to, to spend time with you in your word and that, God, as we meet with you in your word, that, 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 by your spirit, Lord, that, that your word would be alive um, to us and that you would come alive in us and that we could just know your presence and a closeness with you that just meets us in a place like we've never known and that can offer us a wholeness and a closeness like we've never known. 
Because God, we need you so desperately. We love you. Jesus, amen.